Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, where we discuss digital transformation and emerging technologies in healthcare. Here, some of the most innovative thinkers and leaders in healthcare and technology talk about how they are driving change in their organizations. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast. Uh, this is Patty, and it is my great privilege and honor to introduce my special guest today, Tom White, founder and CEO of Find. Tom, thank you so much for setting aside time, and welcome to the show. Hi, Patty. Thank you for having me on the show. You're most welcome. So let's dive into this. Maybe you could start by telling us briefly about the company and its evolution and uh, what the marketplace need you're trying to address. Sure, so Fine Technologies is a little over seven years old. The core thesis that we started with is still the same, same concept in that we believe that healthcare systems need a central hub of provider information that can flow into their clinical marketing and claims systems that keeps everything in sync from a data perspective, but then also enables output into areas that can drive consumer experience and, and uh, better operations through better provider data. And so the market need that we, that we really focused on was that EHRs are fantastic in managing the patient journey, but not designed as much to focus in on, on the provider on the providers themselves. And providers are really defined as people, places, and services. So it's a broad, it's a broad term that means that the, basically it's the products that a healthcare system can offer out to the consumer population. So it literally is the doctors, it's the locations, even you know, nowadays a COVID testing site would be a place to the services that, that a healthcare system can offer, whether it's telemedicine, e-visit, virtual visit, those types of things. And that historically hospitals have managed data on people, places, and services in different places. EHR, from a clinical perspective, marketing typically has their own that drives their patient engagement strategies. Claims has their own system, their own database. And so what we've done is we've merged everything into one profile. So following the, the, the epic model of one patient, one record, we really focus in on one provider, one profile. And that, that profile could be people, places, and services. That's interesting. That's interesting. You're right now in the middle of a very exciting time and a transition for healthcare. COVID-19 has accelerated telehealth adoption and virtual care models. So I imagine that uh, uh, the need for, you know, the ability to having the ability to uh, go online, uh, you know, try out your own symptoms, find a provider and schedule an appointment, all of that is coming together in a way that, that potentially is beneficial for a company like yours. And, and I, want to, I want to kind of explore that a little bit. At the same time, many health systems are also having financial challenges because of the unexpected costs of COVID-19. So can you talk a little bit about the market environment, uh, how that has changed for you from pre-COVID-19 to now, and uh, what kind of, uh, uh, what does it mean for FIND in the marketplace now? Yes, we've seen an acceleration in interest from, from prospects you know, from across the country because of the, the of what the first item you mentioned that the, you know you, you and you talk a lot about it and our clients do too that there's a, there's the digital front door ecosystem whether it's symptom checkers 
smart wait list, appointment reminders, self-scheduling, you know, provider search, all these different things. That ecosystem is certainly right now very, very practical and useful, and it's really being adopted you know, across the industry. What all those different layers of different systems need is a provider data solution of the central hub idea back to the original, the original question of provider information of people, places, and services that can feed all these different types of systems. Because there's lots of vendors out there and, and, and hospitals are looking, you know, it's competitive. So there's a lot of startups and hospitals are looking at buying different types of solutions. But what they need at the bottom of that, that foundational level, is this provider data management platform, the central hub that kind of feeds those. And so we're seeing um, a lot of interest in what we do because it really is that basis for the DFD. And, you know, we've talked about it a little bit in the past that it's, you know, we call it the digital house. We're the foundation for that house. The front door is the website and the consumer experience. But there's, but that notion is going to change and shift as patient engagement tools get, get adopted. So whether it's, you know, it's, it may be the website for the narrow network that the health system's partnered with. It could be a pop-up microsite on COVID testing tents that are in the city. It could be a payer, uh, payer healthcare system partnership website, really exposing kind of what um, some value-based care entities, whether it's an ACO, CIN. And so the notion of a digital front door, we think is going to be expanded to include windows and other doors, a front door, back door, windows, and all those kind of fun things. And the, the house framework itself is the provider data that's going to feed those different types of systems. And then you've got apps, you've got mobile applications, which we think, you know, everything's going to end up being kind of done on your phone anyways. That's a very interesting way of looking at the digital front door concept. And uh, I agree with you that uh, there is no single universal definition of digital front doors. It means different things based on the context, based on the entity and so on. And of course, you're obviously approaching it from the point of view of uh, provider data. The patient data is the other side of the coin which is also something that health systems are focusing very heavily on in order to get a unified view of the patient. So all of this is converging in a way that I think is going to make for some very interesting times for all the companies that are active in this space. And uh, that actually leads me to my next question to you. Where do you see yourself in the context of the entire ecosystem of uh, solution providers that are operating in this, this whole space that for want of a better term, we call the digital front doors? Is the EHR, you know, you've got the EHR companies, Epic, Cerner, and so on. You've got the big tech firms who are trying to have some kind of a play in this. And then, of course, your compatriots in the digital health ecosystem. Where do you see yourself and uh, how do you see yourself kind of maximizing your opportunity in the coming quarters? Yeah, so we see ourselves side by side with the EHR. We sit next to Epic or Cerner in that we integrate bi-directionally. We're a deep partner with both of them. We have unique applications on enroll and provider enrollment with those systems. And so as the clinical area is engaging with patients, they need provider profiles to actually run the claims and actually and do care coordination. Care coordination and then that we act as the backbone, again, the central hub. And so the provider profile flows from find into the EHR when the patient encounter starts. 
if that provider is not inside the EHR already, which they're typically, I mean, about 20% of times that they're not, they're not in the EHR. So if they're in the EHR, that data is being, being essentially managed inside find and it's what is bi-directional with EHR. So what's in find is also in the EHR. If the provider's not in the EHR, which happens again about 20% of the time, then we even better ourselves in the EHR workflow so that the registration scheduling folks, which are thousands of people in a hospital, can onboard a, a provider via the EHR, but really using the find platform to pull that data in and create that, that provider profile inside the EHR. And then once they've created that provider profile in the EHR, find it, you know, find is, you know, we call it an iPath. It's an integrated, it's an integrated uh, platform as a service. And that once that profile is in the EHR and it's in find, so again, one-to-one relationship, then the find application is used across the enterprise. And one of our clients, we have 12,000 users, end users, and those are all staff inside the hospital systems that are changing data on the providers real time inside find. And then that's updating Epic as an example or Cerner. But then it's also going downstream to the marketing team to give them the updates. So marketing knows what the latest information is in the providers that they're publishing out on their website or websites. And then it pushes down into claims so that when the claim goes, goes when, it, when, the, when the claim is processed, that the hospital system actually gets paid faster because they have better data in the system on the provider itself. Are you therefore looking to become the single source of truth, if you will, for provider data? We are. We are. It's the single source of truth. It's a touchy word. I guess it's a political word in that, you know, credentialing, you know, they manage the privileging in the onboarding of privileged doctors into the hospital. So they are the source of truth for that process. Whereas from a clinical side, the EHR typically is the source of truth for certain parts of the record of the provider. And then if you look at marketing, marketing is going to have, going to be, they're going to have their own, you know, their own information, whether it's a bio, video, clinical taxonomy, those things, that is the source of truth for marketing. So we don't want anybody to think that we're replacing what they, what they do from a process perspective. But what we do is we integrate all that data into one profile. So there's one profile on you, for example, that would have all your clinical information that's relevant for Epic, all your credentialing information that's relevant for the credentialing system that your hospital uses, all the marketing data, and all the claims data. So everything's managed inside one profile. And then what you can do with that, because you've got, you've got it down to one location versus 20 different silos, which is what the way it works now, is that you can then point that profile to different things to, op- to optimize the operations of the healthcare system. You can make Epic actually work better. You can, you can make marketing have a better search for the providers and scheduling experience for the consumer. And then on the claim side, you can get claims paid faster. Yeah. So then who is your primary target audience within a health system? You mentioned so many different stakeholders. So is it the chief marketing officer, the chief patient experience, who chief medical officer? Who is it? It's yeah, it's a great question. You know, we sell so it's the CIO is always involved. And you know, some of your, your past guests on the podcast are clients of ours. And yeah. you know, so it's it's CIOs, it's CMIOs. 
it's certainly marketing. It's the marketing officer is is heavily involved as well. But it's a tech, you know, in a lot of ways, it's a technology purchase, right? This is a it's a it's a data platform that transforms the healthcare enterprise, and it can make marketing a lot better. But what it's interesting, you know, in the market, there's been a lot of vendors in the market for a long, for a while that have made marketing focused solutions, and we think that those were were good transitional technologies. But as you know, the pandemic happened, and as as healthcare systems have focused in on on the notion that fewer vendors doing more platform focused concepts like what we do, we think that it makes sense for healthcare systems to really look at things like Find and say, how can we optimize and operationalize provider data across clinical marketing claims, these different areas, versus having these independent systems. So we, we end up selling to everybody. We, we, in a typical environment, we'll have a CIO in a room, CEO, you know, even CEO, CMIO, chief marketing officer, uh, certainly chief digital officer as well. We have a lot of those clients. Because yeah. we speak their language, we kind of talk to all of them at the same time. Yeah. So what do your uh, kind of uh, sales cycles look like? And, uh, you know, we can, I mean, I don't want to go too deep into this, but we talk about economic yeah. buyers and technical buyers and all of that. And I got to imagine that you have, you have to get multiple stakeholders on board before somebody signs your purchase order, right? We do. Yeah. So it's certainly it's enterprise software sales. So it's our sales team is very, is, you know, is an experienced, professional, consultative team that focuses in on the issues and the, and the problems that our clients have. So we don't really, you know, yes, I mean, I think the sales cycle can go, can be four months. It could be 12 months. It could be 18 months. It just depends on where the client is. We don't get a lot of no's. What we get mostly is when we're ready, uh, we'll, we'll come back to you. So yeah. the, I think that it's just a matter of time that this notion of this digital house and you know, some, you know, the, dia, the digital front door certainly has accelerated some conversations we've had. The EPIC relationship and the EHR relationships are accelerating right now because it's interesting. Like, like a, a lot of our clients, when the pandemic happened, they said, well, we need to bring back retired doctors, nurses, and all these folks that were, that were not in, you know, that were not in the day-to-day healthcare workplace, right? They said, how can we find folks that are either retired, maybe taking a sabbatical, those kinds of things. We have all that data, right? So it just depends on the event or the opportunity to really say, hey, we really need provider data front and center in our core IT strategy. We're just standing up right now a micro site for one of our, one of our biggest clients for the, all their COVID testing tents because those, those testing sites move you know, based on where the hotspots are in their right. in their geography. And right now there's no way to go for a consumer to go to their website and say, show me the show me where they are today, like or where they were yesterday. And so with find you can real time say, okay, we're going to we want to show these eight these twenty or thirty different tent sites and we want to show the hours of operation and we can extend them. You know, they can change those hours of operation and publish that to their website you know, at a moment's notice. So they can really expand the offering to consumers, just like what you're used to when you go to Nordstrom's or, or any other kind of retail operation that's really consumer focused. We're helping our clients do that right now. So back to your question, it's the cycle is based on the need and the event of, of our clients, but we think it, you know, there's a universal need for it. 
it's just a matter of where they are kind of in their in their thought process. Very interesting. So switching gears here a little bit, Tom, the digital health ecosystem has been uh, receiving billions in uh, VC money over the last several years. By all indications, it is a thriving ecosystem. There's a lot of innovative products that are coming out, such as yours. And uh, firstly, I'd love to uh, get your thoughts, or at least for the benefit of our listeners, and how you're funded. You know, are you VC funded? Are you willing? You know, are you in a position to share any of those details, uh, just to get a sense of what your profile is, what Fine's profile is, and then sure. in general, you know, what what do you see as the opportunities and challenges for digital health startups in light of uh, especially in light of COVID-19? Yeah, so we're, we're VC funded. We have traditional kind of, you know, tier one VCs and fine, but then we also have some health systems as investors. So Memorial Care out of Long Beach, California. So it's the system that runs from LA down to San Diego. They have an innovation fund. They're a significant investor in fine. The UNC, uh, it's the University of North Carolina health, healthcare system. They have a venture fund. They're an investor, significant investor in fine. And so is Orlando Health as well. When we did our, our funding, we said, let's blend together both uh, top-notch kind of VC operational experience with top-notch healthcare strategic experience and on the board level. And so every board meeting is really interesting because we get, we get both the VC, uh, traditional VC input around risk you know, finance operations, and then the healthcare side really driving into things like what we're experiencing right now and what's happening to them. Because we get, we kind of get access into what their CEOs and their boards are talking about, you know, triaging their own business over the last couple of months because of the lack of revenue because of, you know, elective surgeries and all the things that you've heard about and talked about. We're really happy with our mix of investors you know, up until the pandemic, there's, you know, there's been a tremendous amount of investment in the patient engagement area. And there's a lot of great solutions that are out there. And I do think that there's going to be, there needs to be a coming together of them. There's just going to be too many choices for healthcare systems to, to have to kind of weed through to buy things. And so I think that there's got to be some level setting eventually, whether it's consolidation, M&A activity, or partnerships as well, obviously, that, that could help. But there's going to be some consolidation. There's just, you know, it, there's just too many vendors kind of chasing some of the same ideas, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we help our clients really. We're agnostic when it comes to other vendors. And so, we, ha- we, we you know, we'll, we'll integrate with any of them. But they're certainly asking us a lot of the, a lot of the questions I bet you get asked a lot, too, as well as, you know, there's five people that do this one thing. How do we... How do we differentiate amongst Well, that's kind of so. what we do. That's kind of what we do as a business. We really help our clients sort through their uh, technology choices when it comes to implementing the digital roadmap. But we start by helping them figure out what even what the roadmap even needs to look like for them. Right? And then we go to the technology la- layer and then the actual partner selection process. But you're right. That is certainly one of the questions that we get asked a lot because you know, there's so much, so little public information about many of the startups and uh, there's not a lot of evidence either, you know, especially if you're a young startup and you don't have a whole lot of clients and, uh, but you, you may have a great product then, you know, what are the risks and rewards involved here and how to, how to manage them? All, all of those become, you know, very interesting questions in the context of digital health. You know, these are questions they would never ask if they're talking to one of the big tech firms because there's a whole different set of 
questions there. Let's just, we're coming up to the close of our time here, uh, Tom. I just want to get your you know, thoughts on what the emerging healthcare experience looks like for you know, regular consumers like you and me. And uh, you know, what are some of the emerging technologies that you think are going to play a big role in that you know, experience of the future? I think that the future is bright for consumers. What our clients are doing and what you know, my local healthcare system is doing. I mean, I use, they, have a, they have an app that I can message my doctor, my PCP. Right now, I can do e-visits. Those are all kind of those are all great starting points. I do think that you know they need to get deeper into to, to, into digital diagnosis. That there's that mystery in science about healthcare where you think you either have a common cold or you're really sick, right? And, you all, and it's like people tend to get you know they tend to be hypochondriacs, right? They kind of teeter to the I'm really sick when they may not be. And so this notion that the industry should be, do a better job of saying, no, no, you can do a digital diagnosis and that you're, you know, oh, you've got a common cold or whatever it may be. So kind of really taking some of the mystery out of the, uh, the diagnosis, diagnosing certain issues. I do think that the digital front door and the technologies will hopefully expand the learning and the use of consumers across the board. There's just too many phone calls. Right. I mean, I don't know what your experience is, but I still have to call into my providers sometimes, not my not my PCP, but other providers to schedule whether, you know, to colonoscopy or whatever, you know, radiology exam. Yeah. And those things need, you know, it needs to flip. I'd say that you know, 80 percent of healthcare drive is driven on on phone calls and 20 percent digital and needs to be 80 percent digital and 20 percent phone calls. That's uh, so well said. I think. Uh... That is the headroom for growth. So if you were half empty or half full, you would look at it uh, differently, uh, I guess. But that whole picture there that you just painted, Tom, that's kind of the, I see that as the opportunity landscape, just inverting that mix and going from 80% phone calls to like 20% phone calls. That is a holy grail, I imagine. And uh, I hope that we see it uh, in the foreseeable future. And I'm kind of confident companies like yours are going to yeah. play a big role in that, uh, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that we will see it. I mean, I'm a glass, you know, half full person in general and uh, just being a, a startup person, it just it kind of comes with the territory. The other point I want to make just before we kind of move off that topic is that the uh, that interoperability integration is key. You have all, you, we talked about a tremendous amount of patient engagement vendors that are coming to market and that that you have to be integrated into the IT topography, the landscape. So the data has to be bi-directional, has to create this feedback loop. So if, if you're doing digital diagnosis, what are people asking about? What are, what are conditions? What are the hotspots as far as illnesses? And so this notion that there, this digital data feedback loop needs to be there. And so I just think that's important for, for when health systems are looking at vendors that, that they make sure or ensure that it's a bi-directional into their core clinical systems because the idea is it's better patient care. And so you just need that data feedback loop. Yeah. You know, I feel uh, just a couple of quick uh, observations from everything you said. I, I generally tend to like uh, startups, and especially digital health startups that have a very focused offering and they go deep into it and they do it really, really well as opposed to a company that might want to do like multiple things and not do any of them really well. And so I think uh, the opportunities 
I, again, I'm a, I'm a half full kind of a guy. I'm an entrepreneur, like it kind of comes with the territory. I feel like the digital engagement touch points in a typical consumer journey today are uh, not only many, but they're also expanding, right? You know, a year ago, mm -hmm. you might have thought of 10, you know, 10 or 12 touch points that you would consider high priority focus areas or opportunity areas. Today, I can name 25 or 30 such touch points. And who knows, a year from now, there may be 60 high value, high impact digital touch points. And uh, in an ideal situation, you would have a handful of companies that do exceedingly well in one of those touch points. And that, would, that is what would open up the opportunity landscape for buyers, namely the health systems, in order to really transform the experience of healthcare. Because today, I think part of the challenge also is that to your point, a lot of people are you know, pursuing the, the rainbow, uh, which is, you know, if somebody thinks that triaging is the cool thing or COVID-19 is a cool thing, they're not pursuing it. You know, but you got to really take a step back and commit yourself to the longer term and pick the spot for you and go deep into it. And you're more likely than not to come out successful. But it is a long, hard journey. And uh, Tom, you're a serial entrepreneur, so you know this. Yeah, it's a journey for sure. And it's definitely a movement. So I think that the industry is moving in the right direction, but it's going to be, it's going to be a long-term process. Um, and uh, it's going to be great for consumers. So I'm, I'm excited as a, as a consumer of healthcare. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, Tom, what a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, thank you for getting on my podcast and look forward to staying in touch and uh, following uh, the progress of Find and all the best to you and your team. Thanks, Patty. I enjoyed it. It was, it was fun talking. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Subscribe to our podcast series at www.thebigunlock.com and write to us at info at thebigunlock.com.